Turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, the 58th chapter. Isaiah chapter 58, while you're turning there, let me just mention again that today starts our 21 days of fasting. And let me just go ahead and say this today, that fasting is not between you and the pastor. Hello, somebody. You've you got to learn when it's a safe place to say amen. And that was a safe place. It's not between you and the pastor. It's not between you and the pastor. There we go. It's between you and God. So, the reality of it is, I'm of the opinion... That everybody can fast. Now listen. I understand that sometimes we're on medication. That we have to eat to take medication. That just means maybe you don't do a total fast. Maybe you fast certain things. That's another safe place to say amen. It's between you and God. I promise you God knows what you're able to do. Hello somebody. And God will not ask you to do what he knows you can't do. Amen? Because that would be God setting you up for failure and God's not going to do that. So we're entering into a time of fasting over the next 21 days. And I'm going to talk to you this morning about fasting. I'm going to talk to you about the problem with fasting. The purpose of fasting and the power of fasting. I'll tell you some things that happen that sometimes we get wrong in fasting. Is that alright? Uh, but the fact of the matter is. Sometimes we fast and we don't see the results because we fast with the wrong motives. Now let me just tell you, fasting is not a diet plan. If your goal through your fast is to lose weight, you might as well just go ahead and eat. Hello, somebody. I, I, was, reading, I was reading some articles about fasting this week, and I read one, one guy said, I'm the only person I know that can gain weight while I'm fasting. But the reality of it is, if you're fasting because you want to lose weight, now, I know there is types of fasting that you can do for weight loss, but I'm, not, I'm talking about something spiritual. I'm not talking about something carnal. If you're fasting to lose weight, then you're fasting for the wrong reason. Let me dive into this. Isaiah chapter 58, I want to begin reading in verse number 3. Look at what the Bible says. Why have we fasted and you, notice you use capitalized, so it's speaking, they're speaking to God. Why have we fasted, they're almost rebuking God, and you do not see? We have humbled ourselves, and you do not notice. Behold, on the day of your fast, you find your desire, and drive hard all your workers. Behold, you fast for contention and strife, and to strike with a wicked fist. You do not fast like you do today to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast like this which I choose, a day for a man to 
humble himself? Is it for bowing one's head like a reed and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes as a bed? Will you call this a fast, even an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast which I choose to loosen the bonds of the wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke? Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light will break out like the dawn. And your recovery will speedily spring forth. Your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, and if you give yourself to the hungry and to satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones and you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. Let's pray. Father, I love you today and I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit, your power, your presence, and your anointing. And Father, I pray today, God, that you would anoint these lips of clay to minister your word to your people. Anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive from your word today. And Father, I just pray today, God, that you would touch each and every person under the sound of my voice, God. That you would anoint their ear to hear, their heart to receive, God. I pray that you would guard my mouth today. God, anoint my mouth. May nothing proceed out of my mouth except that which is authored by you today. And Father, I just pray now, God, that you would open up the windows of heaven. Pour your spirit out upon us, God, for the remainder of this service. Touch us in a special way. And Father, we give you the praise and the glory for everything that's done. In Jesus' name we pray in the church said. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to sum up those passages of Scripture, those verses of Scripture that I read for you in three simple sentences. Verses, the, the latter part of verse 3 through verse 5 is God exposing the shallow worship of His people. Verses 6 and 7 is the kind of worship and fasting that is most acceptable to God. Verses 8 through 12 is the blessings that God promises for the true worship. I want to talk to you about ritual or reality this morning. The word ritual by definition is an act or series of acts regularly repeated in a set, precise manner. If I was just to sum that up and put that in good old Louisiana country boy vernacular... I would just simply say that a ritual is just doing the same old thing the same old way. It's just going through the motions. The word reality by its very definition means the quality or state of being real. Henrietta Mears is a Christian educator, author, and evangelist. And she once said, 
people are not interested in re religion, but in reality. Martin Luther once said, the world does not need a definition of religion so much as it needs a demonstration. A lot of power in those two statements. But today as never before, there is a desperate need for the church to move beyond a ritualistic religion and to demonstrate the power and the reality of true religion. James put it in a nutshell like this in James 1.27 when he said, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. True religion boils down to two facts. First of all, true religion cares for those who are in need. Secondly, true religion consecrates itself to God apart from the world. Israel's situation in the context of Isaiah 58 was a loss of reality in their religion. And in its place was, was an empty ritualistic religion. Just going through the motions. I hope he's done by 12. I'm not going to be. This very ideal was reflected by their act of fasting. They boasted of their fasting and assumed that God was pleased. Oh, look at us. We're fasting. In Jesus' day, it was the Pharisees. I'm fasting two times a week, they once said. Look at me. Hello, somebody. They were trying to shine some light on them and assume that God would be pleased because of what they were doing. Listen to this. They misused the fast as an external act of being religious. This may have been to cover up other offenses and spiritual destitution. What am I saying? Because we so many times become guilty of trying to promote ourselves and to put ourselves out there as what we're doing for God and what we're doing in the name of God that we are suppressing hidden things that God's really trying to get dealt with in us. If I can get up here and I can appear to be holy in front of everybody else, then I feel good about myself and I don't have to deal with the nastiness that's in my heart. But the reality of it is what fasting will do is it will draw us into a place with God that all things can be made new. Fasting is about sacrifice. It is about causing fleshly desires to come under subjection to the Spirit. Let me, let me get back up here. They were misusing the fast as an ex external act of being religious. They were going through the motions. Perhaps to cover up offenses and other spiritual destitution. Watch this. External religion will never compensate for the real thing. I said external religion... 
Your heart can be as sin-stained as the next person. And you can lift your hands in the sanctuary. You can be here every time the doors are open. But the reality of it is, while you may confuse and while you may convince everybody else that you're religious and you're going through the motions, you'll never convince God. Because God looks deeper than your outward expression. God wanted the people of Israel to reflect on the reality of their religion. True religion is not superficial, but it springs from the heart. Vain, empty, external religious activity is just that when the heart is not in it. If you're fasting the next 21 days because pastor called a fast and your heart's not in it, you might as well go eat. Listen, I'm going to be as real and transparent as I can possibly be. If your heart's not in it, you might as well not do it. Hello? Sometimes people come to church on Sunday morning that their heart's not in the service. You say, Pastor, that's harsh. No, it's truth. And we'll sit through a service because we can go home that day and feel good that we went to service. But we only feel good because we went to service. We don't feel good because we made a connection with the master. But if our heart's in the right place when we get here, then when we leave this place, we'll not just feel good because we went to church, but we'll feel good because we've been in the presence of a holy God. There's a difference between going through the motions. Mm. Vain, empty, external religious activity is nothing but that when the heart's not in it. The very essence of Isaiah 58 goes deeper than the act of fasting. It tests the depth of true religion. It cuts like a laser through the facade of religious activity and uncovers what is at the heart of a religion. Ritual or reality. Listen. In dealing with the subject of fasting, we uncover the treasures of reality and religion. So we're going to look at the problem with fasting, the purpose of fasting, and the power of fasting. Here's the problem with fasting. Wrong motives and just plain ignorance marred the people's fasting. This is reflected by their twofold complaint. Look at verse 3. First of all, they complain, God, we fasted, but you have not seen us. They were rebuking God. It reminds me of the kid pitching a fit to mom and daddy because they don't get their way. We never do that to God, I know. That's the church down the street, right? Listen, this is a heavy word this morning, and it's going to cause us to self-reflect some things. But let me tell you something. If all we ever do is come into God's house and we never have to check ourselves, then, then, then I'm not doing my job. Hello, somebody. And, and listen, don't think that I'm all holy and I'm shining my halo before I got over here this morning because God preaches it to me before I can deliver it to you. And i got to make sure... It's right here before I can come here with it. But the reality of it is simply this. They were complaining, God, we fasted, but you haven't seen us. The people were depending on the religious activity of prayer and fasting. Fasting and prayer are not wrong, but when the activities become more important than God, they are wrong. When what we're doing is more important than the God who we're doing it to and for when what we're doing is more important than the God that we're doing it to and for, the motives are wrong. 
Our motives aren't pure. Our dependence must be founded on God and not our deeds. To depend on anything but God will result in getting out of focus spiritually. My Lord. We tend to focus on ourselves. When, when our focus gets off of God, we'll look internally to ourselves. Maybe you've never asked yourself this question before, but there's been times in my life where I felt like I was drifting a little bit from the Lord. I wasn't as close as I once was. And I start saying, what am I going to do to get back to where I once was? Maybe I need to read my Bible more. Maybe I need to go to another church service, another Bible study. No, what I need to do is get on my face and repent. I need to get on my face and repent. We tend to focus on ourselves when our focus gets off of God. We tend to magnify our own righteousness rather than magnify God. To get our eyes off of God causes us to emphasize our work for Him rather than His work in us. Let me say that one more time. To get our eyes off of God when that happens, it causes us to emphasize our work for God rather than His work in us. You should never fast, but what you aren't drawn into a deeper, more intimate relationship with God. If you are not drawn into a more deeper, intimate relationship with God through the fast, then I dare say it was not a successful fast. The Israelites had hoped that they could place God under obligation through their fasting and praying. Their motives were wrong, but the, and their religious activity was purely selfish. That was the first thing that was wrong. Here's the second thing. This is what they complained. God... We've sacrificed. We've abstained. But you haven't even noticed. Mm. Their selfish motives were again revealed. Their self-infliction was to gain a part to, or a pat on the back from God. They wanted God to pat them on the back and say, Oh, you're doing so good. Keep going the way you're going. God never does that. God always says, Hey, you need to address this right here and deal with this. So you can be closer to me. Fasting had become a self-gratifying exercise to feed their ego. Not only were their motives wrong, but their attitude was wrong as well. Their attitude was like, God owes me something because I'm fasting. God didn't owe us anything. They were blaming God for what had befallen them. There's an accusation even in, uh, of Jehovah in Zechariah chapter 7 and verse 5 where the Bible says, Say to all the people of the land and to the priests, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seven months, these 70 years, was it actually me that you fasted? Wow. He's asking a question. Was it God that you actually fasted? Did you abstain from God? Lord, help us. But look at God's criticism in Isaiah 58, verses 3 through 5. There were basically four reasons why God did not accept fasting. Watch what God said. First of all, they continued to indulge in their evil ways. They were abstaining. They were fasting. They were going through the motions, but they were still doing their same evil deeds. Nothing was changed. Secondly, they were oppressive in their relationship with others. They continued to demand what was due them. Fasting ought to draw us onto a place of yielding forgiveness toward people. 
Thirdly, they continued in their divisive ways. Fasting had become an occasion of strife and contention. They became irritable because of their abstinence. Thus, it resulted in quarrels, factions, and fights. Fourthly, their acts of worship had deteriorated to outward form only. Listen to this statement. Mechanical and meaningless outward worship replaced their heartfelt worship and commitment. Mechanical. You know what mechanical is? It's something that just does the same thing over and over. It works like a machine. It's just going through the motions. Our acts of worship, abstinence, and self-infliction are not in themselves meritorious in the eyes of God. These acts of religiosity will not secure His favor. The reality of religion reflects divine goals which are justice, truth, benevolence, and holiness. God tells us exactly what He's looking for in this passage. Let's get into it. Let me just stop right here and tell you that the world is watching us. The world is watching us. Real religion is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is an intimate, private relationship. And such a relationship does not seek to justify itself before men. Rather, such a relationship is justified before God and demonstrated before men. The problem with fasting was their motives were wrong. Their attitude was wrong. They were doing it for an open display and an outward show. They were not doing it for the right reason. Let's look at the purpose of fasting. The purpose of fasting is a reflection of true religion. At the very root of fasting is consecration. At the very root of fasting is saying, God, consecrate me. Make me holy. Set me apart. Remove and divide the things from me that are not like you, that are contrary to you. Do not let me keep walking in the same way that I have been walking. Do something in my life. The consecration is two-dimensional. First of all, it is a consecration to God to bring us closer to Him. It is to bring our life into conformity to His will. Secondly, it is a consecration to the work of God. What is the work of God? The work of God is meeting the needs of people. Christianity is defined as God's reach for man and God reaches through the actions of men to make this happen. The Israelites have become mere ritualistic in their fasting because they ceased to be practical in their outward look. Watch this. They had turned their back on the poor and the needy. They failed to demonstrate the love and the kindness not only to their fellow man but also to their own flesh and blood. They no longer served and worshipped God with a whole heart. In a sense, they were playing church. I've read in Revelation chapter 3 where there were some churches that were in the same boat. Oh, we're not lukewarm. We're, we're, everything's great. I often wondered, the church of the Laodiceans, he said, I'd rather you be cold than lukewarm. And I often wondered why. Because to me, if you're lukewarm, you're closer to being hot than you are if you're cold. But can I tell you what I discovered about that? As long as you're lukewarm, you're sitting here saying... Oh, everything's great. Everything's grand. I have nothing to be worried about. I'm right where I need to be. But the difference is, 
If you walk outside in temperatures like we had a few weeks ago when it was 2 degrees and negative 23 wind chill factor, you're smart enough to do something about it when you're cold. You'll put a coat on. But when you're lukewarm, you're saying, oh, I'm fine, I'm great, everything is glorious, when it's truly not. God said, you make me want to vomit. Going through the motions. God did not send Jesus to the cross just for us to go through the motions to come here every Sunday morning in and every Sunday morning out and just wait till 12 o'clock strikes for us to get out. But no, what he did was he sent Jesus to the cross so that we could go into a continuous deeper, more intimate relationship than where he walks with us and he talks with us every day of our life. They were not showing any kind of kindness or love to anybody. They were playing church. They were the first church of the frozen chosen. What does fasting mean? Fasting is abstinence. It's doing without something. It humbles the soul before God. It crucifies the flesh and its lust. Now listen, when I say lust, our mind immediately goes to a sexual term. Because we think about if a man lusts after a woman, in his heart he's already committed adultery. You can lust after chocolate pie. You can lust after a donut. You can lust after a lot of things. And as long as you're in your human flesh, there's going to be lust of the flesh. But fasting humbles the soul before God. It crucifies the flesh and its lust. And it demonstrates sincerity before God. It strengthens us against temptation. It secures power over the enemy. If you don't have any other reason to fast, that ought to be a reason. You say, well, preacher, you really believe it secures power over the enemy? Absolutely. When the disciples couldn't cast the demon out of the man's boy, he said, Jesus said, some things only come by yeah. So it gives you power over the enemy. Not only that, but it dispels unbelief. It cooperates with and it complements prayer. I have learned in fasting that I can believe God for more things than I can if I'm not fasting. I, I can't explain it. I'm just telling you that's the way it works. So why fast? It's in the scripture. We fast to loose the bands of the wicked. You got an unsaved child? Fast. Man, I felt the prick of the Holy Ghost. The problem is, I lay the blame right here or on the pulpit. We in the pulpit have not dedicated enough sermons to fasting. It's almost become a lost art in the church. But the fact of the matter is, fasting will loose the bands of the wicked. It will undo heavy burdens. It will allow the oppressed to go free. And it will break the yoke of bondage. Why fast? So people can be delivered. We fast to provide bread for the hungry, shelter to those who are the outcast, to cover those who are naked. We fast to bring our faults. Uh-oh. You missed your spot. Say amen. We fast to bring our faults before God. To call and cry out to him. 
God, I know there's things in my life that's not pleasing to you. Because I'm human. Help me, oh God. Show me what I need to address and deal with. Show me what needs to be under the blood. We fast. Uh-oh. Can we just bring it home right now? It don't get much better. We fast to cease our accusing of others. It's hard to talk against your brother and sister if you're in a true fast. Because God's pulling you this way. We fast to cease speaking vanity. To demonstrate compassion to those who are in need. The Bible does not indicate that we are to fast for selfish reasons or just to impress God. This is not just abstinence for abstinence sake. Listen. But abstinence because we are sacrificing something. To allow ourselves to be drawn deeper into a more intimate relationship with God. Why do I need to be there, preacher? So the next time the devil comes knocking on your door, it doesn't knock you three flips. You can open that door and say, Oh, it's you! Get thee behind me, Satan. I'm going to walk right out of this valley, lift my hands and praise the Lord. Whew. If God be for me, who can be against me? I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Not wander around wringing your hands and sweating profusely because you feel like you're about to lose everything. Why fast? Power over the enemy. Let me just ask you this. Is our fasting a ritual or is it a reality? Ritual is passive and stagnant. Reality is active and dynamic. Not only is the world watching us, but the world is waiting on the church. When's the last time we fasted for our city? Purpose of fasting. Let's look at the power of fasting. I'm almost done. In Isaiah 58, there's a contrast. In the preceding text, there's a picture of God's wrath against a ritualistic and meaningless religious activity. But in this verse, with the description of true religion, there is a smile from God. Look at what he says in verse 8. Then your light will break out like the dawn. Your recovery will speedily spring forth. God, we pray for a speedy recovery. You ever heard somebody say that? What does that say? Your recovery will speedily spring forth. That means it's not going to be delayed. Expedited. Quickly. Your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You don't have to worry about the enemy coming up behind you because guess what's your rear guard? It's not your brother. It's not your sister. It's the glory of the Lord. And let me just tell you something. The last time I checked, the devil didn't want nothing to do with the glory of God. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. When we are impressed by our business for God, we might ask God, what can I do for you? But God is unimpressed with our self-righteous indulgence. He responds by saying, I cannot reveal myself to you because of your religiosity. Your religiosity is blocking the light. 
God wants to answer our prayers and He wants to bless us in every way. He desires to prove Himself to us. Watch this. But ritualistically, we get in His way and block His working in our life. God asked the children of Israel to practice reality in their religion, not just to maintain a mere religious ritual. Because here's the reason. Ritual focuses on the habit where real religion flows from the heart. Let me tell you something, church. I don't know about you, but there's been some times in my life that I could use some speedily recovery. There's been some times I needed the glory of the Lord to be my rear guard. There's been some times I needed to call on the Lord and know that He would answer me. I want to share a story with you that I found very interesting because it describes a lot of us if we're not careful. Listen very carefully to this story. I want to, it's a very short story I want to read to you. Listen. There was a lady who lived out in the boondocks, probably where we just moved from. She did not have electricity, but she wanted it. She called the electric company and they made arrangements so that a line could be gotten out to her so she could have the benefits of electricity. After delivering electricity to her home for almost six months, someone at the company noticed that only one unit of electricity was used. A serviceman was sent to check and make sure that there was no problem. He rang her doorbell and when she answered, he asked, Hello, miss, are you using your electricity? She said, why, yes, I am. May I ask what you're using it for, the serviceman asked. Well, the lady replied, when it gets dark, I turn it on long enough for me to light my kerosene lamp. The truth is the woman didn't understand the power she had. She had all of this power that could keep things well lit all night long, but she was settling for a kerosene existence. Many Christians are settling for taking this great power that God has given to them only to light their own human efforts. We are not maximizing the power of His presence. One commentary writer wrote about Isaiah 58 when it talked about the quarreling and, and the, the, the complaining and the fighting and the griping and the strife that was contention that was going on. He said they were fasting so that they could win the argument. They were fasting in an effort that God would be pleased with their fasting and cause them to win whatever they were arguing about. Can I just tell you something this morning, church? God has given to us a power that is stronger than any power found anywhere else in the earth today. It is a power that is far greater than an atomic bomb. It is a power that is far greater than any nuclear weapon known to mankind. Jesus even admonished us in Scripture the very works that He did. We should do also in greater works because He goes to our Father. 
But we must understand that there are going to be some times that we need to be engaged in fasting and prayer because that's what's going to move the hand of God. I ought not tell this story. I really ought not tell this story. But I'm going to tell it anyway. Because I want to give you a personal experience that scared me. It haunted me. But it has to do with prayer and fasting. Before Sister Jen and I were married, there was a time in my life that I was walking through a valley and I made up my mind I said I'm, I'm going to fast I'm going to pray and I'm going to let the Lord lead me I'm going to let the Lord show me exactly what I need to do and I begin to dedicate myself in those next several days to fasting and praying I was not working at the time and I needed a job. And as I was fasting and praying about a job, I'm talking about like the day after I started fasting and praying, I got a job offer. Just like that. Not just any job offer, but a job offer I wasn't even qualified for. That's the way God works. There was a lady in the church that I was attending who was gravely ill. The doctors had almost just said, you know what, it's over with for her. You know, we're, it's not going to be much longer. And I remember praying for this lady that God would touch her and raise her up and heal her body. And I'm talking about like the next day, bam, I found out, hey, she just like overnight something significant happened and she's 100% better. And I know what you're thinking. Some of you are probably thinking that's the kind of power I want to be able to pray and see something happen like that. Some of you are probably thinking, well, my goodness, that's, that's great to fast and pray and see God answer just like that. It freaked me out. Brother Moore, I promise I'm telling the truth. It scared me. I'm being honest and transparent with you this morning. Why did this scare me? You say, preacher, that's where we all want to be. Ask God for it and it be done. Bam. No, it scared me. Why did it scare me? Because I felt like I was in a position that I had to be more guarded and careful with what I asked the Lord to do. Because sometimes, help me Holy Ghost, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll let our tongue just rattle off something. Well, I wish God would do this. I wish God would get a hold of this one. I wish God would take care of that one. We have to be careful what we ask for. But I'm telling you something this morning, church. Fasting with prayer moves into a different dimension with God. And I'm convinced that in our time of fasting and praying, that God will do many things that we don't even realize at the onset.
I have felt in my spirit God calling us to this fast. I had somebody call me the other day on the phone and they, they said, Pastor, what are we fasting for? I said, we're fasting for God to move in our church and for God to use us to do everything He wants us to accomplish in this next year. Now, I'm not going to try to tell you that God's not going to do some other things. It, some things in your personal life may happen and they may take place. I absolutely believe that can happen. But we are calling a corporate fast for the Southern Hills Church of God because I firmly believe that our greater days are in front of us. Our greatest days are in front of us. God has already moved so much in the short time that we've been here. I'm only anticipating what is going to happen. It's not happening because I am your pastor. It's happening because I'm going to let God lead us all the way. But this much I know. Why are we fasting, pastor? Because God never moves like he's already been moving except the devil is trying to knock us off course. The enemy of our soul, the enemy of our church is trying to cause us to lose focus as Pastor Daniel preached Wednesday night. We must keep our eyes fixed upon him. There will be an attack in the spirit realm unlike anything we've ever experienced when we are headed in the right direction. And we've got to be prayed up and praised up and powered up so we can put the prey on the run. 